and welcome back to Freedom by Faith Ministries. I am Pamela Noel and I will be your host for today. So in today's topic, we are going to discuss putting on our shoes of peace in the middle of the battlefield in the spiritual war that we are in with our arch enemy Satan and his demons. Before we get started though, I would highly recommend that you check out all of our previous videos on spiritual warfare. You will find the introduction to spiritual warfare. What does it mean to hold up your shield of faith? What does it mean to have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God? And just check out all of the other videos so that you have a better understanding of all the pieces of the armor of God that we need in order to overcome evil, in order to overcome Satan and overpower him and win this battle that we're in. So in today's topic, we're going to speak about peace. How important is peace when you're in the middle of a battlefield um, and your enemies are coming against you, our spiritual enemies, not people. Um, so before we get started, we're going to recap what are these pieces um, of the armor of God that we need to overcome evil. And today we're going to speak specifically on the shoes of peace. So let's turn again to Ephesians 6. Verses 10 to 18, Paul says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So, so far in looking at all the pieces of the armor of God that we need, we have spoken so far about the truth. We have spoken so far about God's righteousness, specifically humility. We are going to speak on um, our shoes of peace today. We have spoken about the shield of faith and later on we'll talk about salvation and praying in the spirit at all times. So if you have not done so, I highly recommend that you check out our previous videos. But for today, we're going to talk about peace, the peace that surpasses understanding. So the one verse I wanted to touch on first is to look at Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26 verses 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you trust in the Lord always for the Lord God is the eternal rock. 
So Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you, God, for today's word. We ask you, Lord, to impart wisdom and understanding of spiritual warfare. Thank you, Lord, for your wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for the pieces of the armor that you have provided for us to overcome evil. We thank you, God, for the victory that you have already won on the cross on our behalf. You declared on the cross, it is finished. So we thank you, Father, that because of our faith and trust in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, that we too can enjoy the victory that you have suffered for us to have. So Heavenly Father, we ask you to anoint this talk tonight, this teaching. We ask you, Lord, to um, the Holy Spirit to take over my mouth to take me out of the way, help me to crucify my flesh, deny myself, to take down any strongholds uh, that would um, cause people to misunderstand your word. So we ask you, Heavenly Father, to intervene today, Lord, so that your children can receive the information that they need to overcome every spiritual battle that they are facing. In the name of Jesus, amen. So in Philippians 4, we're going to look at Verses 6 through 9. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. We just saw that in Isaiah 26, right? So Paul is saying this again. This is a man who's suffering, who's in prison, right? He's been beaten, almost drowned many times. And so this is from a man who suffered many things. And he's saying, how do we have peace? I have peace because I'm fixing my thoughts on the right things. So verse, six, verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. And we know Jesus is the truth, right? Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And we know God, that God wants us to praise only him, right? And so I believe he's talking specifically about Jesus, right? True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Right? Notice Paul is not saying wait for all of your circumstances to be what you think they should be, where all my children are doing the right thing, my finances, you know, my bank account looks right. He's saying to fix our thoughts on God. Right. And we saw in Isaiah 26, he said the same thing. Isaiah said that God will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him, all who trust in him. That's how we have peace. And remember that God wants us to have peace because it's the right thing. Obviously, he wants his children to have peace. But in the context of what we're talking about today, it is one of our pieces of the armor of God. It is one of our weapons against the enemy. And God is telling us to fix our thoughts on him. Right. So wouldn't it be um, a strategic move on Satan's part to keep our eyes focused on everything else but God? Right. So he creates circumstances around us in our marriages, in our children, in our finances, our careers. Right. People coming against us. Um, 
to keep our eyes focused on those things rather than on God because he knows that we need every piece of the armor of God on us at all times in order to win the battle and peace is one of our battle strategies against them right but because he is a strategic um evil uh enemy that we have right satan is clever the bible says right he understands exactly what it takes to win battles against us and he knows that taking away our shoes of peace is one of them Right. So don't allow the enemy to take down your shoes. You need to have your shoes on in the middle of the battlefield in order to win against the lies. Right. He uses deception to destroy. We need to know that we have a way to have peace. And God tells us in these two passages that we need to fix our thoughts on him. Right. And it's very difficult when you're looking around you and all everything around you is falling apart. But it's something that we must train ourselves, right? Soldiers are trained before they go into battle. We must train ourselves to look at God, to look at heavenly things. So Paul may be in prison suffering, but his eyes are fixed on God. And that's why he can have peace no matter where he is. If we go back in the same chapter in verse 4, he says, Always be full of joy in the Lord, not in what's going on around us, right? So he's suffering and he's saying, Always be full of joy. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do, remembering that the Lord is coming soon. Right? So that's what we should fix our thoughts on, doing the will of God, knowing that he's coming back for his children, and we must remain faithful. And rejoicing is a command. Right? Paul's saying, I'll say it again, rejoice. And he says it with an exclamation point. Right. So that is a command from God that we must rejoice in him, not in the things that are going on around us. We're not people of this. world. We are in the world, but we're not of this world. Right. We must rejoice in heavenly things. Jesus won the battle against evil. And we as his representatives and his ambassadors, we belong to the kingdom of God. We have also have been given victory over evil. So no matter what's going on in the world, we must rejoice. That is a command from God. And we must remain at peace. Um, our next verse, we're going to look at 1 John 4, verse 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit of God, the Spirit in capital S, so we know this is talking about the Spirit of God, the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Right? And so Jesus said, my peace comes from, from me. Right. We're going to read that next. Um, the peace of God, the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Right. So Jesus is the word of God and he is our source of peace. So as we have seen in all the other uh, videos that we have looked at, all of the other talks, all of the other pieces of the armor of God that we have discussed, every single piece comes from Christ. Right. And so the spirit of God who lives in us is greater and the demonic principalities, the demonic princes, the demonic um, spirits who are coming against us. The Holy Spirit is greater. Right. And so we don't have to lose our heart and minds. Right. We don't have to have anxiety and fear. Right. Because the spirit of God who lives in us is greater than Satan. And if he can create scenarios around you to think that you're defeated, then he's already defeated you. Right. So we must remain at peace. Knowing that the spirit of God in us is greater than Satan. We don't have to be afraid or anxious for nothing. Right. And so let's go on and talk 
about a passage that specifically says that Jesus is our peace. So we're going to move on to John 14, 27 to 30. We're going to look at the Amplified Version, which I love because it really hones in on what is peace, right? If you ask most people what is peace, peace is when everything's going my way, you know, my marriage, my children, or finances are just right. Um, it's great to have those, those things, you know. I have peace in my home, in my marriage, in my children. Uh, so I'm not saying those are bad things, but our source of peace doesn't come from the things of this world. It comes from Jesus, right? So we're going to look at the Amplified Version. I actually have a New Living um, translation, but I'm going to read the Amplified Version because it's just so telling of what true peace really is. So John 14, 27 to 30, the Amplified Version says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, peace I leave with you. My own peace my own peace i now give and bequeath to you not as the world gives do i give to you do not let your hearts be troubled do not let your heart so that means you are in control of whether your heart is troubled or not not the world not the circumstances not your boss not your co-workers right the people in your family who don't like you right they don't have control over whether your heart's troubled or not, you have power over your heart. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So you are in control of whether you're afraid or not, not the circumstances around you, right? Stop allowing yourself, stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. That's beautiful to me, right? You have control over whether you allow yourself to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly or unsettled. You have that control. So you can't blame your circumstances. If you allow yourself to be disturbed, to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, or unsettled, you're responsible for that, right? So this is a direct order from Jesus to his disciples that we must not allow our hearts to be troubled because his peace is what we're after. And he's given it to us, right? Verse 28, you heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you really loved me, you would have been glad because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater and mightier than I am. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does take place, you may believe and have faith in and rely on me. I will not talk with you much more for the prince evil genius ruler of the world is coming and he has no claim on me he has nothing in common with me and there's nothing in me that belongs to him and he has no power over me and notice that jesus is saying here that the enemy is on his way but i'm not worried why because i have nothing in common with him right so satan is evil he's wicked he's rebellious he's prideful Right. And so if God is telling us to have peace in him and we refuse, that's an act of pride, in my opinion. Right. I truly believe that anxiety and fear is rooted in pride, because if you really love God and Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. He's telling us to have peace that comes only from him and not the world. But we want to have peace our way. I want to have peace when my finances are OK, when my career is thriving. 
right? When everything's going my way, that's when I will have peace. But he's saying, no, peace does not come from the world. You do not get peace from the world. We get peace from Christ, right? And so if we are rebellious, rebellious against this passage, we are not living according to the will of God, which is to have peace only in him, to rely only in him, to fix our thoughts only in him, to trust only in him, like we've seen in Isaiah 26 and Philippians 4, right? And Jesus is saying in verse 30 that the enemy, Satan, the prince of this world, evil, the genius ruler of this world is coming, but he has no claims on me, right? He has nothing in common with me. He has nothing in me that belongs to him. And therefore he has no power over me, right? And so when we're being rebellious against God's word and we're disobedient in God's word and being anxious about worldly things, right? That in and of itself is an act of pride, which is the character of Satan, which means you have now something in common with Satan, right? When God says to be anxious for nothing, and we're anxious about everything, that's disobedience, right? We care more about our lives than what God says for us to, to, um, to believe in, right? And so it's interesting that Jesus is saying that, you know, he's not worried about Satan coming against him. He and I, we have nothing in common. That should be your attitude. When Satan comes against you, you and I, we have nothing in common, right? You rebelled against God and I'm remaining obedient. And we've seen in previous videos that God says, humble yourself before the Lord, resist the devil and he must flee from you, right? But for, for Satan to flee from us, we must first be humble before the Lord, which means to be obedient to him, right? And so these passages are not recommendations. These are direct orders from God. Right. These are direct orders from Jesus to his disciples saying, my peace, I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That is an order. It's a commandment. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Right. So this is a command from God. He's not saying try not to let your heart be troubled. Try not to remain uh, fearful. Try not to be. He doesn't say try. He's telling his disciples. Right. Do not let your heart be afraid. Do not allow yourself to be agitated and disturbed. And then right after he says all that, he's saying the enemy is on his way. Right. Because peace, he's saying this is the, my peace I give you. And then right after that, he says the enemy is coming. I'm not worried about him. I have nothing in common with him. He has no power over me. So why would Jesus talk about peace? And then right after that, talk about Satan's coming against me. Well, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I have peace from God and I don't rebel against God like Satan did. I have nothing in common with him. Right. So why is there so much anxiety and fear among Christians who supposedly say we have faith in God? Right. So having faith in God is like something Christians are supposed to say. Right. A Christian is not going to say, oh, I have no faith in God. Right. All Christians say that. But can you really prove you have faith in God when you're in the middle of a battlefield and you're not awake and you're not uh, anxious or afraid? Right. So Paul says, I will show you my faith by my works. Right. So we work to demonstrate our faith in God. Right. We don't work for salvation, but our but the way we live our lives is a demonstration of do we really have faith in God? So I will show you my faith by my works. Right. So when Satan comes against us and you're not being uh, anxious, you're not afraid, you're not falling apart. Right. You're standing firm on the word of God. That is a visual demonstration that you really have faith in God. 
right? And so when we say we have faith in God and we are anxious and worried, then your faith is a lie, right? You can say you have faith, but the Bible doesn't say to say you have faith, right? Show your faith by what you do, right? And so I love the fact that after Jesus talked about his peace that he will give us, not like the world, he right away went to Satan's coming at me. I ain't worried about him. I'm not worried about him because Jesus doesn't need peace from this world. He is peace. He is peace, right? And so, as a physician, it's interesting um, that anxiety and fear, people who are always anxious, the type A personalities, which I'm kind of a type A personality myself, but anxiety and fear actually increases your blood pressure, which increases your risk for heart disease and death, right? And so is it possible that Satan uses anxiety and fear to kill? I don't think it's a coincidence that in medicine, that people who are anxious and worried, depressed constantly, are more likely to have a, an elevated heart rate, an elevated blood pressure, which increases your risk for strokes and heart disease and death. And Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the only way to overcome him is to have every piece of the armor of God on you, which includes peace. So is it a coincidence that the very thing that God says to be anxious for nothing, right? To have peace that only comes from the Lord. Is it, isn't it interesting that when we disobey this verse, right? When we disobey the orders of Christ to have peace only that, that comes only from him and not from the world, that the consequence of rejecting God's word, of rejecting Jesus' instructions, that his peace is what we need, not from the world, that the consequence may be death, right? Is it possible that Satan can use this as a strategy, as a battle strategy against people who refuse to obey this passage? Right. And so when we reject the word of God and we're looking to the world for peace, right, we're waiting for our finances to be right, our bills to be paid and everything in our families and the people at my job to leave me alone to have peace. That is a rejection of God's word. And we saw earlier in previous videos that God says that you must humble yourself before the Lord, resist the devil, and then he'll flee. Right. And so when we are not in peace, we're anxious because it's normal to be anxious in this situation. Right. Anybody would be anxious in this situation. So we lie to ourselves. We allow Satan, the demonic, um, the demonic thought, lies and deception that doesn't line up with the word of God to overtake us. And we act on the word of Satan as, as opposed to uh, the word of God. And the consequence is sickness and death. Right. And so people who are anxious, it's been studied that anxiety and fear leads to an elevated heart rate. And if that's sustained for an amount of period of time, it can lead to high blood pressure, which increases your risk of heart disease, stroke and death over time. Right. And so a rejection of God's word leads to death. And we know the penalty for sin is death. Right. So Satan rejected God. And his ultimate fate is the lake of fire. We don't want to follow his footsteps, right? So our power of over evil is that we have nothing in common with him, right? So anxiety and fear is actually sin, right? Um, Paul, he, he 
said it with an exclamation point. So maybe he's yelling, saying rejoice, right? Always be full of joy in the, in the Lord at all times. Always be full of joy. And that is an order from God. He is, uh, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's talking from the Spirit of God. And, he, and God is telling us through Paul, we must rejoice in the Lord. Right? Jesus said, I have, I, I, he is the, pre, the Prince of Peace. And Jesus said that my peace I give you, not like the world. You don't get peace from the world. And so we must remain obedient to our captain, right? The commander in chief which is Jesus in this battle, right? So if you go into a battlefield, right? If you if you're a soldier in a battle and your and your captain, the the commander in chief is telling you this these are the battle strategies we need to overcome our enemy, are you going to sit back and say, mm, "Let me think about it. Should I do this?" Right? A soldier must obey his commanders, right? So we must obey our commander and that to win this battle, we must remain at peace, right? And so you would not expect a soldier in the U.S. Army, right? The president of the United States, the commander chief is telling you these are the strategies we're going to use. And the soldiers are thinking, mm, let, me, let, me, let me think about that for a second. You, you can't win a battle when everybody's thinking their own way. Every soldier is doing whatever they think, Right? So we must remain faithful to our captain in doing what he says, because only God knows how to win this battle. And he's telling us one of the ways to win is to remain at peace. Right. So let's not lie. Let's not let the devil lie to us to make us think, well, in this situation, it's normal to not have peace. It's normal to be anxious. Right. God is not looking for normal soldiers. He's looking for obedient soldiers. Right. He's looking for obedience. And that is the only power we have over evil. Because otherwise you have disobedience in common with Satan, which gives him power over you and you cannot win battles. Right. And so we think the things that are coming against us is why we're not winning battles. We're not winning battles because we're disobedient to God's word. That's why Christians lose battles. Right. So not worrying is in order from our captain in this army. So we must remain faithful and not be anxious. So we're going to stop here. Actually, let's, let's look at 1 Peter 5. That will be our last passage for today's session. 1 Peter verse 5. That is another one of my favorite verses that I look at almost every day. Some of these verses are just so powerful. And I continue to encourage everyone to meditate on some of these verses because these verses are so counterintuitive. Right. If things are falling apart in your life to not be anxious, that is just so unnatural. Right. But we must crucify our flesh and deny ourselves and say no to what God says no to and say yes to what he says yes to. Right. But it's so unnatural to our flesh to have joy in painful situations. So I encourage you to look at these verses every day. Right. God says to meditate on the word day and night. And if we're not doing that again, that's sin. Right. You can't win battles against evil when you're sinning against God. That's not going to work. Right. And so in order to really live out the word of God, we must meditate on his word day and night. Right. So make these verses infiltrate them in your heart and your mind so that when you're facing evil, like these verses pop up in your head and you and it's so much easier to obey God when the word of God is already in you. Right. And so how do you obey God when you don't know what he says? I don't see how that can happen. First Peter five. 
1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 9, it says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries, not some of your worries. So this is in order, right? It's not a recommendation or try to give your worries. It says, it says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you, right? We looked at this passage in another video. And verse 8 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So I always find this passage interesting because God is saying, humble yourself before him and give all of your worries to him, right? So humble yourself and give your worries to God. So is it possible that when you refuse to give your worries and cares to God, that you want to take care of your own worries yourself, that's an act of pride, would you say? Right? So God is saying, humble yourself and give your worries to me. Right? So right after that. So when you write letters, one thought leads to another thought leads to another thought. Right? So that's how we think naturally as human beings. So when you're writing a letter, so this is Peter talking. So he's writing a letter. He's saying, humble yourself and give your worries to God, right? So is there a connection between humility, which we saw in earlier videos that God says, humble yourself before the Lord, resist the devil, and then he'll flee from you. Humble yourself. And one way to humble yourself is to give your worries to God. You're saying, God, I trust you more with my worries than I do with myself, right? You're saying, God, you can do more with this than I can. That is an act of humility, right? And then right after he said, humble yourself, give your worries, watch out for Satan. What is the connection between humility, giving your worries to God, not worrying, not being anxious, and then Satan, right? He's looking for someone to devour, which means he can't devour everyone. He's looking for someone to devour. So is it possible that anxiety opens the doorway for Satan to devour you? Why would Peter say, humble yourself, Give your worries to God. Oh, watch out for the devil. What's the connection? Right? So he's writing letters, right? So we didn't have these letters were not broken down in verses. So these are letters he's writing fluently, right? We later on put verses, right? Verse six, seven, eight, nine. That came later. But when the letters were written initially, there were no verses, right? So, so these apostles are writing letters and they're fluent. Right. So one thought leads to another thought, leads to another thought, leads to another thought. So humility and giving your worries to God is an act of humility. And that gives you power over evil, not being anxious or worried. Right. So I would highly recommend that we meditate on this verse regularly, at least once a day, so that you remember when anxiety comes, that is an act of disobedience if we succumb to it and it gives Satan power over us and Anxiety in and of itself is a way for Satan to win that battle. It's not the actual circumstance around you. It's the fact that you're anxious about those things, which gives power to the enemy, right? You cannot win battles against evil with anxiety and fear. And he knows that. So we need to know that. So we're going to stop here. In our next um, session, we're going to talk about 
the um, the helmet of salvation. That is another part, another piece of our armor, another battle strategy to know what is salvation? What is the helmet of salvation? How do we put on our helmet of salvation? So we're going to stop here. And I thank you all for joining today. And I ask you to always consider before you do and say anything to consider God's ways, God's word, because his motive is that you be at peace. And that you will know with certainty that you can win every battle because he's given it. He's laid it out for us, right? He's given us the tools to win every battle. And remaining at peace is one of your pieces of the armor to win against evil. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you again, Lord, for another day. We thank you for your wisdom, for your sovereignty, for your perfection. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us all the tools that we need to overcome evil. So I'm praying right now, Lord... In the name of Jesus, for the people who are watching um, this episode, Lord, that you will fill them with your spirit, to, that you will give them your peace, the peace that surpasses understanding. Lord, help them to crush the enemy's head by rejoicing in you always, remaining in joy and peace in you, Lord. Knowing that the things of this world is not what gives us peace, help us to know that our peace comes from you. We are heavenly citizens. We are not citizens of this world. We don't expect or require or need peace from the world that Satan is in control of temporarily. But let us always be mindful of who you are and that you are our father and that we can trust in you, Lord, to keep our eyes fixated on the things of heaven, to the things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, which is you, God which is you, Father, which is you, Jesus. Help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have a spirit of humility so that we can humble ourselves before you to obey your word. So we thank you, God. We ask you to continue to help us to reveal to us the truth so that we can remain standing firmly, knowing that the battle has already been won on the cross in the name of Jesus. So have a blessed rest of your week. God bless you all and have a great day. Are you ready to step into your calling and destroy fear, worry, doubt, and anxiety? In Our Victory, God's Glory, author Pamela Noel describes the stop and do nothing else principle that was used by some of the most powerful people in Scripture, including David, Moses, Peter, and Daniel. This You Can't Help Yourself book reveals that success in every area of your life lies in one name. Our Victory, God's Glory was written to support Haiti's elite medical team, a Haitian-American-owned, not-for-profit organization that provides healthcare services to the poor in Haiti. Proceeds from the sale of this book will help support our efforts. The ultimate goal is to build a hospital and provide much-needed medical care services currently unavailable to those with limited access to quality healthcare. Available at Amazon, your local bookstore, or at Trilogy.tv.